are Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Locked On Flames. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Head on over to rockauto.com and find all the car and truck parts your vehicle will ever need. Today, we are going to talk about the messy game that was the third of four games of this Vancouver road trip and a beautiful overtime snipe from Johnny Gaudreau and more. But be sure you are following and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite apps right now so you will never miss an episode. Last night, we had a very exciting game in Vancouver. I was a little nervous heading into it because of just of their performance on Saturday night. And I think <sighs> the Flames were a little bit nervous too. I mean, come on, you get out shot like that you know, 20 goals to three in the first period. I don't necessarily think you're going to go into the next game super confident by any means, but the Flames did pick up their performance. The first period was not as horrific as the previous one, but, you know, we still have a lot to talk about there. They fell behind early because of power plays, and Vancouver scored on both of them, or it might have been one, but... It was just, it was uh, really frustrating to watch them lose their steam and the momentum that they were heavily relying on, um, you know, in that first period. But thank goodness for Milan Lucic because he cut the deficit in half. And I am starting to think he listens to this podcast, specifically my slander for motivation. (laughs) I am completely kidding, but he has had four points in his last five games. So Luch, we're very proud of you here at Locked on Flames. And if you ever want to come on, just shoot me a DM. (laughs) Uh, Connor Mackey. Oh boy. You know, it's hard to be upset with him because it was only his second NHL game. And the way that I think of it is like um, a baby deer or giraffe learning how to walk on their own because of course you know they've gone through the training to get to the NHL but those first few steps in those games are um, a little terrifying well they're a whole new ground that you're stepping into and you know I think that once Mackey kind of tightens up his game and stops taking penalties that are completely avoidable and unnecessary. He will be a fantastic defenseman in the league. I understand everybody comes in here and, you know, they want to make themselves known. They want they don't want to be pushed around. They don't they don't want to be seen as the new kid in town. They are a small fish in a big pond and Unfortunately, Connor Mackey kind of fell a victim to that mentality, and we watched him take penalties during a lot of the game. And, you know, again, I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say it again. It's his second, it was his second NHL game. I think it's easy to be like, oh my God, he's a hothead. He's out of control. He's just like another younger Kachuk and things like that. But, 
again, two games, super, super small sample size and got to take it for what it is. Uh, the second period was good. I don't necessarily think it was a great hockey game overall, but I do think that the second period looked good. Uh, the Flames scored twice and that's really all you can ask for. And especially when they're already uh, behind in the first period and then Lucic kind of, you know, lessens that deficit. It was great to have Lindholm and Dubé score, even though I believe it was Dubé's goal that was the Nate Schmidt goal because uh, Nate Schmidt tried to pass the puck to Thatcher Demko, and then Dubé said, nah, (laughs) and scored. Watching Twitter erupt over that was kind of funny because they're like, Schmidt, you make too much money for this to be happening. Why are you doing this? But at the same time, it also kind of looked like a Lucic goal. And I was like, oh my God, does Lucic have a multi-goal game? When was the last time that this happened? But one of my biggest takeaways was, well, Kachuk's game. Guys, I know we talk about it and you hate to put this kind of negative spotlight on a star player, but we got to talk about Kachuk and, you know, (laughs) um, his performance. I don't know what's going on. I have seen people compare it to after his suspension uh, from the Drew Doughty elbow in elbowing incident back oh my god what was that 2017 2018 I don't remember again time doesn't exist but um I guess that he eventually snapped out of that and I'm hoping that that's the case here and we do get to see Matthew Kachuk again and I just the only way I can describe the game is like when he doesn't have the puck, it's like this bright, shiny, like high definition game. Like the world is so bright, fun, everything. And then as soon as the puck hits his stick, it just goes black and white. And that's not an insult to him by any means. Y'all know I am a Matthew Kachuk fan. I love watching his game, but it's just like it dies as soon as the puck hits his stick. And I don't. I don't know. He's just not confident with shooting. He is overpassing. The whole team is kind of guilty of that, but him especially right now, I've just noticed that a lot, and I hate seeing it. He is such a good player. So, you know, hopefully everything just kind of, you know, clicks with him. And then I can't believe I forgot to mention this earlier, but one of the biggest things I noticed was Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev um, were the first pairing on the blue line. Now, I did also notice that Giordano and Rasmus Anderson were split up because Jeff Ward went on to say that uh, he wanted Anderson focusing on his five-on-five game, so he took him off the power play and um, the penalty kill, rather. So it was just kind of confusing at first, but I I don't necessarily hate what I saw. I think that putting Gio on the second pairing and Anderson on the third is fine. I don't I don't hate it. <laughs> but coming up next, we are going to talk about the third period and a little bit of overtime 
more in depth because I feel like they deserve their own segment. But first, a word from our friends at Rock Auto. Rock Auto is everything you could ever ask for as a car owner. They have everything you need from windshield wipers to some pretty crazy equipment that I wouldn't know how to find or where to find elsewhere. The best thing about Rock Auto is the fact that they do not have different price tiers for the do-it-yourselfers and mechanics. They are friendly to everyone and, you know, wallet-friendly. It's a family-owned business, so a lot better than going to those big chain stores that do have the different price tiers. Head on over to rockauto.com and put locked on in their how did you hear about us section. rockauto.com. All the car parts you will ever need. Locked on Flames continues. Don't forget to follow me over on Twitter for all of your Flames news and nonsense. The third period was something I was a little nervous for (laughs) because I typically don't watch the third period. The Flames started playing better when I stopped watching the third period. So I would simply just go into my room and play on my Switch, a little Animal Crossing, while checking Twitter to see those updates. So when I when the Flames were leading 3-2, to two, I was kind of nervous. I said, okay, you know, we're, we're going to watch. You're already fully invested. Sit here. It's not like you're going to go to bed anyways. Um, And then they mentioned that the Flames are the best third-period team in the league on the broadcast. And I knew. I knew that uh, the Flames were either going to lose or it was going to go to overtime. (laughs) I wasn't wrong. (laughs) It was a very messy third period. It was filled with penalties and pleasant exchanges. Uh, Mangiapane... It had this little defensive move that wasn't even necessarily bad or violent or anything, but he riled up the Canucks and the friendship tour reunited in Vancouver. This was just, it was so confusing because I just can't imagine if that was like your first time watching hockey and that this is what you see. You see like Tyler Myers, um, like, I, I don't want to say choke holding because that sounds so aggressive, but like, um, <laughs> like he has like his arm around uh, Mangiapane's throat, who is so much shorter than him. And then everybody's like super close together fighting. And then somebody else is over here, like a Chuck. It was just a cha- very chaotic image. I can't even describe it. And then if you slow down the video, you can see Tyler Myers hugging, I think it was Kachuk. And it was just like, oh, okay, he just needed a hug. That's all. He's okay. But it was just, I, I was just watching it. And I was like, how did it escalate to that? But the, the period continued. Uh, Connor Mackey and Kachuk were in the penalty box together and I'm sure Kachuk was like hey good job kid because Mackie also got involved and then Kachuk was sitting there with a Gatorade towel over his head and somebody was like oh my god he's accessorizing and I could not stop laughing and completely Twitter is just such a fun place sometimes but it wasn't long before the Canucks tied it up and they were giving us some free hockey um, overtime is scary. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's really not that bad. But I knew before it started that the Flames were at least walking away with one point. And as I've said a million times before, that's really all you can ever ask for in th- this season. <laughs> Especially, uh, you know, you don't want them walking away empty-handed. But... It was Sean Monahan who fed Gaudreau a pass that led to the overtime winner that, you know, obviously allowed them to walk away with two points. Vancouver challenged the goal because they believed it was offside. And then I I sat there and I, I was nervous because I was like, oh, no, I, I really just want to write my post-game recap and go to bed. And I really don't want to watch more hockey and potentially watch the Flames lose. So when Toronto was like, oh, no, that's a good goal, I was very happy. And, yes, I was happy because the Flames won, but I was also happy because my workday was over. Um, I'm being very dramatic. Sorry. But I thought that the Flames did an all right job. It certainly wasn't their best game and it certainly wasn't their worst game but that's the thing they need to be playing an elevated game they need to go out there and play the full 60 minutes these trips to the penalty box remind me of kids in class who just get up and go to the bathroom because they they're bored that's what it reminds you of they they get bored on the ice and they're undisciplined and oh i'm gonna take a penalty you know probably reading too deep into that but it's just it's getting pathetic and i really hope that jeff ward and you know the veterans and leaders on the team kind of say okay guys like come on you see how we lose steam when we take early power um penalty kills rather so it's time to get it together (laughs) but Coming up next, we are going to talk about some more uh, just Arizona Coyotes, man. An athletic report came out today that uncovered um, some not-so-great things happening there. And before we get into that, I do want to talk about Bet Online AG. They are your online sportsbook experts. You can sign up for a free account and use promo code LOCKED ON and get your 50% welcome bonus when you uh, make your first deposit. You start betting on hockey, betting on the Flames. Why not bet on a little basketball? Who knows? But head on over to betonline.ag and use promo code locked on and get your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Like I mentioned before the break, Arizona has found themselves in another controversy, a scandal after some investigative journalism was done by the athletics katie string and she has a very um impressive resume and we're going to talk about i'm mentioning this now because we're going to talk about it later but she is very good at her job she is one of the best investigative journalists out there works for the athletic as a senior writer and I aspire to do some investigative work sometime, you know? I think it's fun to do a deep dive and get to the bottom of some things that's going on, whether it be in the hockey world or maybe just some local (laughs) corruption at your grocery store. Who knows? But uh, in layman's terms, there is a very dysfunctional environment within the Arizona Coyotes 
organization. And all I can think of is the scene from the show Community when Donald Glover walks back into the apartment with his pizza and the apartment is on fire. And it's just kind of like there's so much happening at once and that led up to the fire happening. And like no one really controls anything. And I think that Arizona has needed to do some cleaning up of the organization for a long time. And they released their statement today, and it was embarrassing. Um, As a PR major, I think that this could... I honestly want to send it to one of my professors and be like, hey, can can I dissect this for extra credit and tell you why this is wrong and why... This press release is an embarrassment, but I do just think that people are going to have an issue with the media regardless. You know, uh, they claimed that she went in there and harassed people and that this piece has no credibility behind it because it's just a bunch of disgruntled ex-employees. But I don't necessarily think that doing your job and asking questions as a journalist is harassment. I'm sure she didn't go in there demanding answers. I'm, you know, I have faith in her that she was not harassing anyone, especially the people she's calling into question. I can assure you she did not steal anybody's laptops that they're complaining went missing. And threatening legal action is not going to do anything besides waste your own money. And I think that everybody is kind of on the same page there. Everybody is defending her because, you know, why why would she put out such, uh, such a piece that would end up, you know, why would she lie about any of it? But I just, I think it's really disappointing to see uh, Arizona just um, try to destroy her credibility and then talk about how classy they are as an organization as if they did not draft a kid uh, like less than a year ago who was charged with a literal hate crime and they knew about it and they still said, it's okay, we'll draft you. Like, you know, I I think that the vision that everybody pretends to see or would like to see is um, everybody in these front offices and organizations are just clean-cut, classy people who know exactly what they're doing for their organization and community and not doing it to line their own pockets. However, I don't know what, you know, if that's necessarily everybody's outlook. I'm sure there are some good owners and front office nonsense out there, but um, journalists are there to do their job. So don't complain when they go out and ask the really hard questions and get the answers. And even if they're answers you don't like, it's just (laughs) kind of pathetic that people are upset regardless. But congratulations to Katie Strang for uncovering something that seriously needs to be looked into. Um, 
my thoughts go out to everybody who is in that dysfunctional environment because I can only imagine. Uh, coming up later this week, I will have more game coverage and the Blasty jerseys return tomorrow, so we will have something to look forward to. <laughs> and that's all for today. I will see y'all tomorrow with a pregame uh, preview. And then, of course, on Thursday, I have your post-game wrap-up. Bye-bye.